Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss Hello and welcome again to the baby brother of the ruck. I'm Owen Slot and this is How to Win a Grand Slam, a podcast about success. This is about what it takes to have an unbeaten season and how and why do some teams suddenly crack it. My guest this week has won three Grand Slams, all of them as captain. This is Will Carling, selected to play for England aged 22 and then, with only seven caps for his name, asked to step up and captain the side. It heralded the most successful period ever for England in the five or six nations. Will, great to see you, and thanks for joining us on this uh, great new novel experiment, <laughs> How to Win a Grand Slam. You're obviously a good guy to talk to on this subject, because you captained your way through three of them. Yeah, I, it, and I'm not being self-effacing, it's just that I didn't win three Grand Slams, obviously, myself. But, you know, yeah, I was part of three. We were part of three, which, yeah, I'm quite proud of. Yeah, well, it's. It, I, I know you. You don't want to say that you won them on your own, and, and, and I'm happy to go along with that. But yeah. but it, it is one hell of an achievement, and um, I mean, three is extraordinary. Jason Leonard must have won four. He was on your, all your three, wasn't he? So no one else has won more than that. I wouldn't think so. Certainly not not an Englishman. In fact, not even. Yeah, I wouldn't think any of the other countries have probably done that. Even the Welsh guys in the seventies only did three. I think. If you look at the three, uh, this is a bit like choosing your favourite child. Is, is, there, is there a Grand Slam or a Grand Slam year that is most special to you? I, I think if there was, it would be the first one just because we had messed it up a few times before and it was just a, a huge relief to actually win it. Not that, you know, the 92 or 95, it, it just, there, there was that fear, I think, after sort of 90 or 89 that, Wow, can we actually do this? We should put that in context. So you won three Grand Slams, but we need to go back to where English rugby or England rugby was in the 80s. You won your first cap in 88 yeah. in that um, uh, five nations it was then. And England just weren't, weren't very good at that stage. Is, is that fair to say? Or weren't very good at getting results at that stage? Yeah, I, England weren't very good, sadly. But I only got picked. We used to have final trials back then. Hmm. Um, and it was meant to be Halliday and Buckton, uh, and they both got it, playing in the centre, and they both got injured, which was tragic. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so Kevin Sims and I played, but so I thought I'd get one one game, um, maybe two, and we lost the first two games. Mm. That's sort of what England did, you know. We 
we lost to France away, we lost to Wales at home. Then for some reason, just you know, little bits of luck, we we managed to start. We we won three games, which in those days was a hell of a season for England. Uh, and um, it, but when you lost those two games, or, or when you say three wins was a hell of a season, well, how did it feel amongst the group? Did did they did the group feel frustrated, impatient because they weren't doing better, or were players at that stage just delighted to be picked for England and? Maybe playing for Bath and Leicester at the weekends uh, uh, might have been almost as important, if not more. Well, I think that was one of the major problems with England, that people pretended that club rugby was more important. Now, maybe the Bath guys will turn around and say that it was, but I, I don't believe it. I think when you were a kid, any of those guys, you dreamt of playing for England. You didn't dream of playing hmm. for a club. Um, and maybe you, you, you dreamt of playing for a club along the way, but your big dream you know, as a player was playing for England. I think the fact that England had just had been so poor um, for so long meant that people just didn't believe that England was ever was ever going to work. Did you find that immensely frustrating that you wanted to change that, or did you just think, "Oh, well, this is the way it is, and this is what international rugby for England is like"? Well, I think uh, you know, first few games you're just you're just in a bit of a daze because yeah. you know you're playing for England and you still can't quite believe you played for England. Well, I couldn't. You know, you're just petrified the whole time. Every training session, every meeting. And certainly every game, you're just like you know, like you know, like a rabbit in the headlights. But then, and then maybe towards the end of the season, you know, when we won a few games, you just think actually we should be able to do this more often. Mm-hmm. Or well, that's what I felt. And yeah, there's just a frustration that we we just didn't have um, that kind of belief. And did you feel that you were in a position to influence that in any way? Bar what you could do on the pitch, uh, did you feel that you could influence the other players around you, or, or did that come later? Probably not even when you started your captaincy. No, I mean I certainly didn't think I could could influence anything. You know, they were all a they were my heroes. I mean, I'd watch these guys when I was at school on TV. And yeah. it, you know, it is slightly surreal. You know, I remember Peter Winterbottom coming to play at Sedbo where I was, and he was already a British line. In those days, you could you you could do that. So we were playing a like an invitational side, and he was your hero. And and people like Rory Underwood or Rob Andrew, these guys, you know, I'd watched for you know for a while. Mm. And you were there's no way that you thought, well, I'm going to start telling you guys what to do. You were just delighted if they remembered your name. Okay, so that brings you on to the captaincy. So you hadn't even completed the season by which time you were appointed captain. Yes, well, he f- so it was the first game of, of the, well, it was the only game, I think, of November. So we'd sort of played that five nations, hadn't done particularly well, toured Australia, yeah, lost both tests, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and then we were playing Australia again in November, which is when, when you know, Jeff made the unbelievable decision um, to make me captain. You receiving the phone call from Jeff, at, you're at your mum's house? Yeah. Or, yeah. Well, he, he had run. And you thought the phone call was to drop you, correct? Yeah. <laughs> because, because that's what you know. You, if Jeff rang you, because I'd played the, the the last test, and you knew that there was a, the Australia game was in a couple of weeks, and then you get a call from him, that meant you were getting dropped because um, he would talk to all the people. And that's that's the way it went. If you got a call from Roger Utley, who was a coach, that meant you were getting picked. Um, so I thought I, I turned up for for dinner at my at my parents, and there was a message that he had called, and I just thought oh. <laughs> he just sat there for twenty minutes thinking. Oh. And I then obviously had to ring him back. Yeah, slightly. It was just bloody surreal. And um, you, 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 you asked a few times since, or asked out aloud, why was I appointed? What did he see? Have you ever got close to, to working that out? Have you, <laughs> have, you, cause have you ever actually asked him? Yeah, why? well, it's, it's brilliant, because Lisa, my wife, we, 
about two years ago, probably maybe three years ago or something, we were going up to pick up her mum who lives up in Yorkshire. And I said, we're going to see Jeff Cook on the way for lunch. And she said, why? I said, well, because I've never asked him why he made me captain. And she, you could see on the look on her face, was like, oh, this will be interesting. And uh, <laughs> so we drove up and obviously I was sort of wondering why, coming up with this, that and the other. And we, had, and we had lunch with Jeff, sort of got through the first course. And eventually I said, Jeff, look, I've never asked you why. And he was a classic sort of Yorkshireman, you know. You could see there was a slight smile on his lips. So it's just interesting, but there were quite a few candidates that you would have thought were ahead of you at that stage, correct? Rob Andrew. Fourteen others. Fourteen others. Or more. Yeah. Yeah. Rob Rob Andrew, Peter Whittemore. Brian Moore, Dean Richards. Yeah, um, yeah, there were loads. So 14 better candidates, and he said he picked you because? Uh, It was the last roll of the dice, he said. And I sort of looked at him, it was like, well, you forget, he said, we had four captains my first season. And he said, and we were getting it badly wrong. He said, and so we basically thought, last roll of the dice. So I was like, And, and what does oh. that mean, right? Last he roll? Was, well, he, he came up with another phrase, which ended in something or bust. All right. So it was just like, right, okay. And I sort of looked at him, because I was thinking, hopefully he would come out with some really complimentary um, bits about me. And, he's, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and the smile was just like, you could tell he's thinking, no, I'm not going to. Yeah. And he just sort of said so. We just thought, right, let's try this one. And I was like, oh, great. Thanks. And Lisa said it was a much quieter journey on the way <laughs> home, <laughs> which, was, which was brilliant. Was he suggesting that England needed a sort of a reset or, 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 or to draw the line and start anew? I mean, that's how it's sort of remembered or portrayed that, that, that you were the start of the new era or... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, God, it's, it's really hard for me to say. But, geez, you have to go and talk to him. My view on it is, out of all of this, I think the guy who doesn't, he is the guy who never gets the credit he deserves out of England's sort of success in the 90s. Right. Because we will talk, you know, we talk about, we'll, we will talk about sort of Grand Slams or whatever. He was the one in terms of his selection, in terms of the continuity in it, the the, the environment he created... And you know when you look at how it changed under his guidance, hmm. it was huge. So he he sort of brought a new a new new age professionalism to the amateur era, effectively. Not only that, but he just obviously just worked out right because you know you look at England in the eighties, probably the seventies. My view on it was, I think England have always had good players, but they only used to keep them for a couple of games and then drop them, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, the yeah. churn was just ridiculous. So. He was the guy who obviously just... It was like the Rob Andrew-Stuart-Barnes debate. He obviously sat down and thought, I've got to make a call. Who do I think for the long term? And I'm going to give him a real go. And, mm-hmm. and he obviously he went with Rob. And actually, if you look at the continuity in his selection compared to what had gone before, mm. he stuck with guys. And, um, you know, 88 wasn't particularly successful. 89, you know, we lost down in Cardiff. And obviously, you know, 90, we lost in Scotland. But, but he stuck with... The players who then obviously you know went on to win those grand slams, and I think that had never been done before by so, an English. So you, so in terms of how to do it, your team was allowed, enabled to learn from its errors, yeah. from its defeats, yeah. which in effectively in the past that didn't happen because it was they they've lost. Let's try something else. Yeah, and I I think that's when you, when you you know I listened to someone like David Duckham who was like one of my heroes, yeah, and you looked at those sort of players who went before. Okay, most of the eighties, but the nearies you know, Cotton, when you look at, we just had some incredible players, but unfortunately, the lots of players around them just kept getting churned through. And Mm. you think at at test level, 
you need some continuity. You need to sort of believe in each other. That's what slowly happened between your appointment and 1990, which is a key point. Key yeah. Staging post along the way for you. Yeah. In terms of how to win a Grand Slam, do you think you need to have gone through something like 1990? That was the big game. That we, If you're a member for, for big games, that you probably remembered as much for that one as the World Cup final as well, in terms of the, the games that didn't go your way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, and uh, do you have to go through that? I, no, I, I suppose you know many many teams probably don't. I don't know whether the English have to be really, really, really annoyed to actually react. I don't know, but we, we certainly were. And for me personally, I, I think ninety. You know, we're not here to talk about 90, the ninety one World Cup, but ninety. I probably got everything that you could get wrong as a captain. Yeah, I, I got it wrong. Um, so what did you get wrong? Oh, just the build-up to it, the whole, in terms of our training was too good. We just were convinced that we would beat them. We were better than them. I didn't question, I didn't um, sit down with players and, and argue with them that, you know, we were underestimating them. There was a whole lot of talk from the 89 Lions tour when maybe the Scots guys hadn't done as well as they might have done, whereas the English boys did. Mm. And it was like, oh, we don't rate these guys. We're better than these guys. And at no point did I sort of go, well, hang on, guys. You know, we are underestimating a very, very good team. I didn't know my guys well enough when the game actually kicked off. I asked the wrong guys the wrong questions at the wrong time. You know, there was did you Did you not question them because you were still a comparative youngster amongst that team and they, and you were still surrounded by this army of senior alpha male forwards. Yeah, and I think yes, and I didn't have the confidence to do it. I also didn't want to be, you, you sort of, you want to be liked. You, you didn't want to um, rock the boat. You didn't want them to just turn around to you and go, you know, oh, shut up. You know what? I thought that was one thing you were quite good at, though, in terms of not, not wanting to be liked, not that sort of neediness, though maybe everyone's got that a little bit, obviously, but I thought you learned quite quickly that trying to be popular and, being a good captain didn't necessarily go hand in hand. Yeah, but I th- I think but that's have- that that that's maybe the the bit you 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 have your front, and I desperate you know I, I think if I craved one thing, probably way too much in, in my career, it was that I wanted people like um, Winters, Ortigi, and Dino to think that I was okay. <laughs> you know, as in, you know, yeah, do you know what I, I sort of rate you. So you that probably certainly early on affected me far more than it should have done they, they were my heroes I wanted them to think that you know I, I was you know I was mm-hmm. I was a good player I was a good guy and and after a while you, you realize that actually especially from those kind of guys they're not going to think that just because you're nice to them <laughs> that 1990 experience I sort of asked to what extent did it shape the team going forward because you, you won in 91 and 92 Grand Slams. How did it shape the team? Did it just make them just bloody desperate to get it right the next time round? Yes, or- I, I think it probably restricted the sort of rugby we played. I think in 90 we probably played quite an open game. I think we scored a lot of tries. We probably played very well. If you, if you look back, 91 was a far more forward-orientated... Was that batting down the hatches and not making just, any mistakes? Just win the game. <clears throat> yeah. And yeah, I think there was there was quite a an effect of that. I think you know adventure was was curtailed. It was like, look, let's just we play territory, we you know play possession, and we win. So reverse back to nineteen ninety again. How did the nineteen ninety experience 
So Murrayfield, grandstand beside you in Scotland. Yeah. As you say, you kind of expected to win. That's not the yep. right, wrong word, but you did. Yeah. How did that affect you personally and shape your own sort of ambitions and um, determination? Just it, it shaped me massively because I think it, it shook you in the sense that if you could have been the cliche, arrogant English team going up there, well, we were. And we didn't consider how they would play, what they would do. And we didn't anticipate that they would put us, you know, out of our out of our rhythm. That they would, you know, change the pace of the game. Lots, lots, and lots of stuff. Mm. And so afterwards, for me, it, it was it was brutal. You know, in the sense that you thought, yeah, I, I got a huge amount wrong. And did you work that out for yourself, or did Jeff or someone have to tell you that? No, I worked. You know, it, it was fairly <clears throat> bloody obvious. And I knew, you know, the guys that I had asked for information during the game were the wrong guys. You know, hence we made the wrong decisions. And, you know, which were my decisions, not anyone, you know. So you're thinking, yeah, you, you made all sorts of mistakes. And we'd been, we'd been outthought, we'd been outplayed. I always say to people, you know, we were beaten. People sort of go, you lost, in, you know, you go, yeah. <laughs> no, we were beaten. And we were. And that's what you've got to go away and think, wow, I don't ever, ever want to go through that again. And do you think that game, that experience, 1990, had a big part in shaping the kind of, person or, or celebrity if if you like that you became in in the media around then because you you were made whether you liked it or not and you probably didn't to to symbolize you was came across as a sort of cross between Edward the first and Margaret Thatcher a sort of cartoon sort of uh English hero type um which I I know very well is something that you've disliked and regretted uh, and it was sort of foisted upon you in many ways yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I don't know. This is not a therapy session, but I was, I was, uh, I was having um, quite a deep discussion with my dad a few months ago, and uh, and, and I just said to him, Dad, I said, you know, one of the things that that annoys me, you you still think I'm this cartoon character that was, you know, the way I was portrayed. I said I was never, I was never that guy. Yeah, and I just, I never was. But it's, well, you know, better than me. It's it's much easier to have. Um, for the media to have this idea, and, and then that's what you write about, and and that's what you play. To, you know, it's, it's much easier to to write stories. Did you get a pieces. spitting image character? Uh, yeah, I think so. Did you? Yeah, yeah. Had had a huge pair of buttocks on his face, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but it just yeah. You, you think there's there's your game face. There's the, the, the bit that you would sit in a, in a media conference, press conference with, and then there's there's the real you, and it and it's very very different. Then. If you don't show anyone that, and I, and I wasn't going to show anyone that, then how the hell are they ever going to know? Hmm. That's a reasonable point. You kept it well hidden for a long time. Yeah, and I just think, and in a sense, I think you have to because, again, for me, you worked out the purpose of me captaining England is is not to try and be liked and be a popular, likable character. It's about uh, I want us to win. I want us to win games. I want us to win rugby matches. I want us to win Grand Slams. But, but you you, you were a sort of a a popular character in, in the English media for for a long time. You were a sort of especially when the Grand Slams happened. You became a, a sort of pin up English sort of hero type. Yeah, but that wasn't me. I, do you know what I mean? You just it yeah, wasn't, yeah. It again wasn't that used. was voiced on you. Yeah, yeah. So so you just sort of thought actually there's nothing I can do about that, and that there really sort of wasn't. That's the part of you know let's build this let's build this image let's build this this hero, and you weren't. I wasn't the hero, and I certainly I didn't have all the good bits, and I probably didn't have all the bad bits. It's somewhere in between, and yeah. um, you know that. Yeah. Hey, that, I mean, I think that's the case with with lots of people.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. From 1990 to 91, as you said, the, 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 the England game changed. Was, was, was there a moment where you or you and Jeff or you and the team sat down and said, right, this is it, this is different, this time we do a different I, game? I think from the very beginning of, of, of that 91 campaign, it was like first game this is this is about winning and our focus was right we take what what happened in 90 and um this time you know we win and the first game was Wales away England and, hadn't won for there for 28 years in well, Cardiff well, probably 30 or something was it well, let's well, it was, call, it was, it was let's, a long time let's call it 130 then <laughs> yeah it was a very long time so yeah. you think it wasn't there wasn't much more of a challenge that you could have as your first game where you think, yeah, okay, we, we haven't gone down here since 60-something or yeah. whatever. Um, so, um, yeah, that But you won on. that by 19 points, so you were in pretty good shape. Yeah, but lots of little things, like people were amazed. We actually walked into the stadium. We didn't take a bus into the stadium. Well, you walked through the city? We, we, well, we, we stayed. Always, we'd always stayed out in Saint-Pierre. Yeah, golf and country club, which was just over the the bridge, right. it was almost still in England. Right. So England had stayed there for got you know thirty odd years. Had a lovely time. Could still see England, smell England. Then got in the coach, drove into Cardiff, lost, <laughs> holding your noses, yeah, lost and went home. Right. Yeah. And so, and I remember um, afterwards, you know, a whole debrief because we you know we lost there in eighty nine, and then we lost, you know, in ninety, and we'd stay. We used to stay out in the middle of nowhere in in Scotland as well. And there's a whole point. Why don't we just go and stay? in the middle of kind of get on with it. So we stayed right next to the ground, that hotel, you know, I mean, right next to it. So, uh-huh. and we walked in, we sort of kit bag, everyone got your kit bag, and then we walked in, and I remember people's faces in the sort of hospital, in, in the Cardiff club, you know, people were just like, wow. Yeah, um, well, they, are they a bit lost? Yeah, and, and I, I walked very close to all the forwards. And, uh, <laughs> but it was, but in, in a way, it was an intent that, yeah, do you know what, this is different. We were different that day. It was more of an edge to us. There was, there was more of a focus and intensity. It was, um, and, and those are things you, you learn from defeat or, or from yeah. your determination through defeat. Yeah, you just sort of think, you know, you just, for me, you know, that, the pain that you go through of, of, of losing a Grand Slam and, and everything that goes with that, the English, the English will always be, you know, they're the full guy. They're the, they're the ones that people want to 
want to win against mm. and, and I don't mean that in an arrogant way it's just it's history isn't it you're, you're meant to be the big you know you're the big neighbour and knocking England off its perch on a, on a regular basis is is joy to the Scots the Welsh mm. the Irish you know they love it and um, did, did that game in, in Cardiff sort of set the tone as in one the way you're going to play two the edge you needed and, and three a, a kind of confidence if you like that you, you could do this yeah to a great extent yeah it, it was it was just Right. Well, we've we've ticked that one off. That massive psychological hurdle for England. You know, hadn't done that for, as you say, twenty eight, thirty years. Yeah. Then we had the Scots at home. So there was a whole there was the ninety replay, and that was uh, an unbelievably sort of intense, der game of rugby. There were very little frills, which you um, didn't mind at all. No. Heslop scored uh, a pretty, you know, it was ugly try, but it was a great try, <laughs> and we managed to win. It was, it was just, was the most claustrophobic game of rugby in terms of as, as an English player. Was just, we were so edgy and and tight from from the year before that mm. whatever happened, we just thought you know we can't lose to these guys again, and ended up producing. Not a great display, but it was just, it was a win. And that was, I remember the feeling change was just like, right, that's another one where I, another psychologically would chalk that off. Done. That, that <clears> took you on to Ireland and then. And Ireland, we nearly lost because it was the one sort of, we knew that the French were coming up, which, you know, maybe that would be the last game for, you know, and the Irish, we were losing with about 10 minutes to go because we hadn't focused enough on it. And we, and we nearly got it wrong. And Rory actually ended up basically individually scoring a great try and getting us out of trouble. It's sort of bizarre, and that, and that's the bit that you know I think is 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 so amazing about Grand Slams. Certainly from an English point of view, is you get it slightly wrong hmm. on any country, and they'll have you because that's what they want. And managing to to get yourself to the emotional pitch every time is bloody yeah. hard work. And we didn't get there for the Ireland game, but you but got we managed, saved by Rory, yeah, effectively, yeah, basically we did. And then Teague scored right at the end. And he likes to think he saved, he saved it, but obviously, uh, <laughs> obviously he didn't. But was that a reminder? Did you in the changing room after that game? Did you go? Did, did you acknowledge we, we got away with that? Yeah. Because yes, everyone sort of sat there and just it was like, jeez, you know, unbelievable. It was just one of those. Oh, you know, we nearly <laughs> we nearly lost it. So that was, I suppose, you know, again, it was it was there was relief, but it, it just ramped up the pressure of right. Okay, so there's one more, and this time. Uh-huh. Um, we don't get it wrong, and you were never going to get the final one wrong. No, but but in a sense, that, and which so it was ideal for the French. When you look at the way the French played in, you know, like the, the first try, Saint Andre's try. One, you know, I mean, it probably is one of the great tries that have been scored at, at Twickenham. You know, Manel did the, they they were just the French were like right, let's just you know throw it around and and um, which is when they're at the most dangerous. And we're yeah. we're trying to close the whole thing down the whole time, trying to put our arms around everything, just going, <laughs> yeah. stop this. And the, and the more we were trying to do that, the more they are going, hey, hey. Yeah, stop you know, having so um, much fun, you yeah, guys. Yeah. And it was just, it was horrible. But luckily, we managed to get there. And I and I think, for me, it was seeing the, the relief, the joy on, on people like Rory's and Winters, you know, guys who've been around a long time, I think was the bit that, that I loved the most, was just like, oh, you know, when when you watch the final whistle, there's more relief than anything else in in the sort of the expressions you see on, on players' faces. How did you feel yourself in all that? Did you were you allowed to feel that as well, or were you marking your own emotions off what you saw from your teammates? 
Because it was your experience as well. Yeah, I, I think you, you, I tried very hard to make sure, you know, you're very controlled about everything and because and you, you've got to be controlled about your emotions, you know, during the game. And, and I think it probably was a long time into the evening before you just actually managed to sort of just relax and think, oh, you know, thank God. It was more that than elation. It was just like... Oh, you know, thank God we we didn't get it wrong again. And and you started, you enjoyed it a little bit more. Got some pride, you know, in, in almost bizarrely in, in in the weeks that followed it, where you just thought that was quite special. But first of all, it certainly was just like just sheer relief that we we hadn't messed it up. So how to win a Grand Slam? You've done ninety one, ninety two. It was there a different approach? Is was was there a different way to win it then? I think we we played with with a bit more freedom. But for me, it was I, I just. I wanted us. I suppose all my fr- my frustration had always been as an England player was the Welsh and the and the and the Scots and the Irish, you know, allowed to be incredibly passionate, yeah. and, and you know, and they're allowed to sort of talk about the, the passion for playing. And the English, we're not. If we talk about passion, we were branded as arrogant. And yet, for me, since I was seven years old, this was my dream, and I want. I was as passionate wearing that shirt as anyone. You know, wearing the Welsh, so you respected all, and I did. I, I respected all that passion for them. But what uh, uh, frustrated me was, well, why aren't we allowed to have the same? And I think that's what we used to talk about a lot as an English guy. I want us to have the same passion, uh, and uh, I want it means as much to us as it does to them. The English are never regarded particularly as passionate mm. people, but underneath it, when you dig down, we are. We just there's layers of manners and sort of and. Um, it's almost like I think the English we, we think winning regularly is a bit grubby, you know. It's a bit it's a bit dirty. It's it's really not what it's all about. And you think yes, it is. It's about it is about winning. and and that that conversation about about being passionate and, and proud about your shirt and your country was was that something that you'd tried to encourage to to, to bring out more from your team or, or did it was it a sort of a process of evil of evolution as you as you discovered that this is how you all were. Well, I think I think for me, there's, there was a little bit of there was that part, and then there's a part of me which is very vindictive in terms of the Scots have beaten you, and you think if you win, then I, I'll never forget that, and I will always want to pay you back. You, you you were a bit obsessive about Scotland, though, weren't you? Yeah, about Scotland. Um, same about Wales. You know, anyone, any of them. You know, they, they'd they'd beaten you, and it was like, and and I never forgot the look on people's faces when they as they walk off. Things like that. Never. I still I still remember it. It's just. Because, especially while I was wearing that shirt, that's my dream, and that mm. hurts. It really, really hurts. And so, yeah, I, I was I was quite driven in terms of I don't want to experience those things. Did that passion? Uh, did you feel you were able to get it into your game more? Did that inspire you in in '92? Or I think I, I personally probably played. I had a little bit more freedom, but actually. While I was captain, I think I used to concentrate ninety percent of my time on on captaincy rather than playing. This part of me would think if if I hadn't been captain for that time, I'd like to think I would have probably been quite a different player. But really? I wouldn't change it. How how would you have been different? I think I would have probably attacked more. You know, in terms of oh okay, you know, played, developed my own game far more, and so there might have been a little bit more me in it rather yeah. than us. But hey, I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't change it. But I think you know. My, my view was I put a huge amount of effort and emotion and, and, and time into into the captaincy part of it. 92 was a, a very convincing Grand Slam. Yeah. You won every game quite, with, with quite a cushion. Yeah. So you as a team felt, you, you must have felt very confident. You must have 
had a great awareness of the quality that you had at the time. Yeah, I think, and I think what we managed to do was was understand almost like the emotional wave that you know you, you get yourself up for a game and then you have to let yourself come down. And then work very hard to get yourselves back up for the next one. Yeah. So you of, were mastering the process at that stage. Yeah. And I think we we all generally sort of understood th- this is this is what it takes. And we and so there was far there was a collective you know a, a training. It was like if if people were messing around, there was far more of a collective. You know, let's get focused, guys. You know, mm. this is this is what we got to do. This is what we got to do. There was I think there was the belief far more belief in each other. And so. Yeah, I think you know ninety two, as you say, most of the games were were fairly comfortable wins. It was a team that was coming to its peak age wise, wasn't it? Yeah, that 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 was where one team effectively finished, and another team had to start after that. Well, and I think probably should have done. Whereas I actually think ninety three, that was a pretty similar team. Oh, you um, went on too long. Yeah, and I think it went on a year too long. And I think possibly, although Jeff probably wouldn't thank me. Jeff was, you know, managing the Lions. I think there was a thinking thought of the Lions, maybe, and mm. some of those guys would be good for the Lions tour. And whereas, from an England point of view, I think that the team should have probably evolved in '93 far more than it did. And '93 ended up being our worst year ever. So '93 was a poor year. '94 yeah. was. Do you regard that as like a building year because you sort of had achieved? Well, you you come to fruition again in '95. Yeah, '94 was just was an annoying. A ridiculous game against against the Irish. It was the only one that we lost uh, at Twickenham. I think in in my time as captain, um, was it from the yeah Five Nations? It, you know, it was the only time we lost there, and we just got it badly wrong, which was uh, yeah really frustrating because otherwise we beat the others. So so ninety four, yeah, a lot of new faces, but it was just it was one that was we just through lack of focus and concentration we threw away. Another grand slam. So by that stage, you had the likes of Tim Rodborough come through. Yeah. Ben Clark had come through. Yeah. Bayfield was uh, established himself. Martin yep. Johnson was just coming through. Yep. Jono was in. Well, still, it's still half, half decent players then. Yeah. Jono still hadn't spoken. I don't think he came in in 93. I think his first word, <laughs> words were first in 95, I think he spoke. <laughs> yeah, there were some, some, some good guys. And in the back, sort of a few changes around. Hunt, Hunts had been in and around. Um, there were a few changes. Tony was around so yeah there, there were quite a few new faces and did you feel that when you got to 95 did you did you feel that you recognized in that uh, that team what you'd seen before did you did you think we we've got another team that can do it yeah i think 95 was probably at the very beginning the only time that there was overt talk about right after 94 and after 93 was right it's we won a grand slam this year you know, we'd messed around for two years. Right. And, you, actually, and we, you sat down and, and yeah, we're going to do it this time. Yeah. So, you know, the focus has got to be absolutely 100. You know, we've got to get back on, you know, and we've got to make sure we make the effort and the, and the focus and the concentration. And we don't just expect it to happen, which is probably what we what we had done in 94. So 95 was about, you know, no, we make it happen. Anything particularly different uh, that characterised that 95 team? No, I think we had when you had Rodber and Clark, you had a massive pack of forwards. Yeah, but I mean, we'd we'd had a powerful pack of forwards in ninety one, ninety two. But there, there was quite a nice balance when you think, and then you had Tony and Rory on the wings and Jerry. So there, there was quite a few different ways to be able to play. And, and Mike Cat, fullback, he was you know was a great footballer. And Kieran, you think at scrum up. So you think actually, you know, there was a there was a flexibility in terms of being able to play wide or or, or just use the power. So. 
it was it was quite reassuring as a captain though you, you had um, you had variety. And did did you as captain had you changed a lot by that stage? Did you have a, a confidence? Did you feel you know what you were doing? Were you, were you still nervous that you that they didn't like you? Or I mean, how much did you change by that stage? I think a lot of the characters. So a lot of the guy, you know, Winters had gone, Teague had gone, you know. So quite a few of those, you know, Wade had gone. Sort of my initial sort of, you know, oh wow, um, guys. Yeah, yeah. Rob was still around, Rory, you know, uh, Dino. So there were there were a few, but yeah, I I think I probably had moved on to realizing that yeah, certain certain things you're going to say are, are not going to be popular, but they're the right things to say. So and you were more right happy making to, those yeah, calls, I, then. yes, but. Uh, and I still remember um, that the last game of the 95 was against the Scots. And I remember giving a talk the night before about what it was like to lose to them. And I remember Mike Cat and Victor sort of sitting there with these puzzled looks on their face, you know, and had no idea what 90 was all about. And um, so, so there you are. You were still banging on about uh, 1990. Yeah, yeah, damn right. <laughs> and they were rolling yeah, their eyes going, get were, over it, mate. Yeah, I think I was at school. Um, you know, what are you talking about? And it was, it was just like... You know, I don't know what you're talking about. And it was like, I said, well, you will do if you lose tomorrow. Yeah. So uh, it had an effect on me. But you use it to drive, you, you learn from it. That's, that was the whole point of it. Yeah. And, and, I th- maybe, and that's just, for me, I think you've, I've always been, you learn and you, you, use the, you use the emotion, you use the memories, and that, that's what drives you. And it's, and it's not just the game stuff. It's the training. It's the thinking. It's making sure that you know, we, are, we don't make the mistake in terms of anticipating what they'll do. All the preparation is just like, guys, we, you know, and, and it sort of drives you to, to get all that stuff right. Not surprisingly, as you would expect, but you put, obviously, a lot of thought and a lot of emotion and energy and time into your captaincy and how you're running the team. Did it dominate your life for that for that period? Yeah, I mean, yeah, com- completely. I remember, um, you know, the amateur days, and I remember. But you had a job. You had, you know. No, you- no I didn't. Right. Well, I did. Well, you sort of did. Uh, you, I you did. ran a company, and yeah, yeah. But the thing is, you forget. It's like so. I had a job with Mobile Oil, and then after about eighteen months of being captain, I gave it up. And I remember going home for dinner, and my mum. I said, oh, "I've given up my job at Mobile Oil," and she said, "Why?" I said, "Because I need to concentrate." On the captaincy. And she said, what are you going to do for money? And I remember saying, I, I don't know. And I didn't know. But my, my view was, there was so much to do. And they didn't have the entourage that, that, that the England do now. And there's, there was a huge amount. And I wanted us to win. And so you just, I, I, I'm trying to think how I sort of stumbled through. I think I set up a company. But, you know, people certainly weren't asking for you to come and talk about leadership because we weren't winning anything. So um, <laughs> it was just like you, you stumbled around and cobbled together bits of money. I'm not quite sure how, but it was like that wasn't the bit that was important to me. It was captaining England and, and trying to get us to, to win games and all the effort that, that was needed. Do you think that winning a Grand Slam in an England shirt is harder than any other? Yeah, I do. I, I might be biased, but I do because I think yeah, you sort of suggested that, so. Yeah, and 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 people go, oh, God, yeah, well, he would. But if you go back, and and people say things have changed now, but I think if you ask the Welsh or the Scots, or even the Irish, who's the what? If you could only beat one team, yeah, still, the I think same, it's still it? the English. Um, yeah. So you think it's yeah, but that's the challenge. And then, then you think, and okay, it's in England. But if you if you talk to a New Zealander, I mean, you talk to the All Blacks, they deal with that every game they play. Hmm. You know, and they deal with it, you know, far better than than England have. So, uh, and they have done for decades, and you know, it's incredible. So, we got to aspire to to that. 
Do you have regrets at all, or do you think at all about the fact that you you could have and um, arguably should have won a, a fourth Grand Slam in '96? I mean, '96 you lost to France, and yeah, but I think the same as '94 should have been. Um, you just didn't get it right that day. No, we just we, stupid penalty at the Irish. We just we weren't focused enough on it. We which just, goes which goes back to to what you were saying before that. Every to win a Grand Slam, you've got to get it right. So you've got to be on absolutely. every single time. You've got to get yourself back to that emotional pitch, and that takes emotionally. I think it is more draining than physically, mm. and I think I think that still applies. And I think it's understanding, genuinely, as a group of players, how you get yourselves up, how you allow yourselves to come down, and then how you work like hell to get yourselves back to that pitch again. And and you get it slightly wrong. And you'll get beaten. And and it's it's an emotional effort, almost more than a physical one. Which brings me to to sort of final two questions. One of which is, if you're talking to the captains of the Six Nations, what is what? How do you win a Grand Slam? If you had one piece of advice, oh, it's about instilling the confidence in your team and, and caring about your team. If you think, if you can get your team to deliver their best every game, then you stand the chance of winning a Grand Slam. Sounds easy. I mean, even now, five games, it's all the history and the emotion that goes with it. Mm. It's, it's, it's hard to do. But if, if you can manage to make sure all your guys get themselves back to where they need to be for every game, you stand a chance. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.